0: We are slowly working our way through Hebrews, which is a book that is not often preached or taught, and so we have been learning lots, I've been learning lots in this book, and I mentioned last week that I had thought that we would just lay Hebrews aside because it's really not Christmassy, and we would pick up some Christmas stories from the Bible, But as I looked at Hebrews, I thought, no, we can't do that. Because really, the theme, the focus of Hebrews is for us to grow in maturity. And that we need to apply all of the scriptures to all of our life and calendar and our involvement here in in the church. And so to set Hebrews aside is kind of like, Well, we can't apply that to Christmas. And as I looked at it, I thought, whoa, there is a lot in Hebrews which is much more pointed and relevant to Christmas and Christ's coming than any of all the other texts that we have. Not that it's greater, but that it delves into the very foundation and meaning and focus of what Christ's coming, Advent has to do with us as a people so it is very relevant and so that's why i have chosen to call our series looking to jesus in the very beginning and even going through hebrews during the christmas season we are looking to jesus and we won't change that so this is christmas in hebrews according to Hebrews 6, 1 through 12. And let's read that. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and bears forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and in the end, it ends up being burned. But beloved, we are convinced of greater things concerning you. And things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises may the Lord bless this word to us and we are going through this in orderly fashion I trust verses 1 to 3 let us press on to maturity those who have tasted and fallen away we're going to talk about those hard verses very difficult to talk about and then point 3 we are convinced of better things concerning you And I trust that we end on a good note of real encouragement with our conclusion. Let's just go through this and understand what this passage is talking about. And I think by the time we get to the end, you'll see how it relates to our life right here, right now, and during this month of December as we think about Christ's coming. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. You know, I believe that the number one focus of the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who he is, his number one passion is the maturity of the believers. He is concerned that the church has become very shallow. And as we spoke last week, the Hebrew church was drifting back to some of the old practices in the temple and in Judaism, which they had left having found Christ. But they reverted back to those old practices which were pointing ahead to Christ. And Christ had come. He had risen and he had ascended and they had forgotten. And they felt like they were orphans. But Jesus had told them, I will not leave you as orphans. And so he sent the Holy Spirit in a great empowering at Pentecost. And they were filled and they were just overcome with love and understanding of what it meant for Jesus Christ to come into the world and have walked with them and had taught them, had lived with them and shown himself and then he had died on the cross for them as he had spoken, was buried, resurrected. They saw him for 40 days. They understood that he was risen. And then he left them. But he said, I will send a comforter. And they waited. And as they waited, they began to pray. They began to come together in unity as they never had before. And in that unity and being together, the Holy Spirit came with great power and manifestation so that they were marked for the rest of their lives. And then 30 years later, the writer of Hebrews has to write to them, you've lost what you had. And so he writes to them, we need to mature, we can't just go back to these elementary things. And when we look at what the elementary things are, it's incredible That he calls them elementary. Because some of us aren't even preaching this. For instance, repentance from dead works. What does that mean? I'm not a hellfire preacher. I may get pretty excited, but I'm not hellfire. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, we had hellfire preachers. If you don't believe today... If you haven't believed in Jesus, you are going to hell. That's what hellfire means. And they meant it. And I believed it. I I was just going to say. And you know what? They weren't overstating it. And so many of us as Christians are lattes. That's not the way it was. But that's how it became... In the early church, just a mere 30 years or so after Jesus had gone. And the writer of Hebrews says, I'm not going to lay a foundation again of repentance from dead works. That means repentance from dead works is what John the Baptist preached. And many were baptized because he was a hellfire preacher. And he spoke the truth the way it was. And they shivered to hear him. And they said, okay, I'll be baptized. Because they wanted to leave their dead works. What this really means is, you need to repent because you are not yet a believer. You're just acting like a believer. You're acting like a Christian. And I think that if the apostles would see us, they would get the impression, whoa, you guys really don't know what it is to be saved. I'm not laying a heavy on you. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to you, okay? But that's what repentance from dead works means. Is that we have left the old fleshly life. We have left that life of sin. Daily sinning. And not knowing the freedom and the liberty in Jesus Christ to live as a believer. I don't normally preach that, do I? But I should That's just the basics. And a faith toward God. You know, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe, God will give you a, well, they used to say Cadillac, but, is it Lexus? Yeah, Lexus. (laughs) Faith toward God. Our faith should not be built on what God gives me. We're a gimme, gimme, gimme. That's not true Faith. Or of instruction about washings and laying on of hands. What does he infer there? Instruction about washings. Well, he's talking about baptism, I think. In fact, it is the word baptism. That word washings means baptism. And we are a church that believe in baptism. But you don't hear me preaching that. How many want to be baptized this week? We're going down to the Ochiai and be baptized It's a joyous time for the church to celebrate new believers. But the writer of Hebrews says, that's elementary. Laying on of hands, what's that all about? Church membership. Let's get on board. We're going to have church membership. This is church membership week. Did you know that? (laughs) We're going to sign you all up. We're all going to be good MCCers. We're not doing that. We love to see people come and join us and be identified. But that's just elementary. That's not the real gospel. And the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. These are elementary. These are foundational. We're not going to lay that foundation again. Why? Because it's already laid. We're not going to go over it again. As new believers come, as new people come, we will go over the elementary things. Yes. And always be bringing people along. But that is not what we're going to be known for. We're going to be known because we are mature in Christ. We know the scriptures. We know what they're saying to us. We live by them. That's our life. And he says, and this we will do. We will press on to maturity if God permits. And may God bring us all to maturity, to a place of really understanding what it means to live your life in school, on the job, in your home as a believer, not just here at church or when you're among Christians. You are light. You're called to be lights where God has put you. Those who have fallen away, Mm -hmm. verses 4 to 8, for in the case of those who were once been enlightened, what does enlightened mean? It means you've received the light and you should become a light. But are you truly a light in a dark place? Or are you just like a lump of coal that is in the fire But as soon as you're moved out away from the fire, the light goes out. Is it only your light when you're here? For in the case of those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, what is the heavenly gift? It's our salvation that we have been saved and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That is... The Holy Spirit's been offered to us that we can walk in his strength and his power, his instruction day by day. And these folks had tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. What's this word, powers? Miracles. Oh man, you ought to go to the MCC. There's miracles happening there. That's not the kind of Christians we want. We want those who really allow the miracle power of Jesus Christ to work in their lives every day, even when they're away from MCC and they're out in their workplace or in their school. But then they have fallen away. Why? Why did they fall away? We'd have to go back and look at the foundation. We'd have to look at what had happened to them. They had not matured. They had not the understanding of who Jesus Christ was in their life. And they fell away. It gets worse, folks. Point B says, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. What does that mean? Impossible to renew them again to repentance? Well, you can harden your heart till pretty soon the Holy Spirit does not speak to you. You do not have the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear, walk with me, walk as Jesus. Turn away from your sin. And you can just say, no, I'm going to go my own way. I'll be okay when I get to church. Someday, that light, that little light that you had, that you were borrowing, is going to go out. Something like the unwise virgins. We're talking about their daily life in the Word of God wasn't sufficient enough to carry them. And so, There's no conviction any longer. This is serious. And this is where it begins to apply to even our Christianity during the month of December when we're talking about Jesus coming and Christmas things. Our hearts aren't moved any longer. They have fallen away. And here's an illustration that he gives us. Verses 7 and 8. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and bears forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. It is so good to see new believers the way they drink in the word of God. And they're bringing fruit. But if they don't mature, they're going to die. And they're going to go away and fall away. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. You may ask me, are you talking about the fact that I can lose my salvation? Yes and no. That is an argument that is talked about a lot among theologians of whether if you're once saved, whether you can lose your salvation. If you're not walking with Jesus, who are you walking with? And so it's not just, you know, you're saved one day and you're unsaved the next day. It's a matter of, where are you going? What are you doing? If you're going on the way of the world, where is that road leading you? But if you're following Jesus, it follows to more and more maturity. And I don't think God is just, you know, that fickle. No, I think he puts a lot of responsibility on us. For us to repent and to come to him and receive from the word of God, which is life and spiritual life empowering. We make that part of our daily life. We're feeding on him because he's the bread of life. These are hard words. But the writer of Hebrews, he is such a gracious guy. I'm going to really be interested to look him up in heaven and just sit with him for a while just to understand what kind of a heart does he have preaches hard and forgives easy we are convinced of better things concerning you i'm so glad he ended this with this and things that accompany salvation though we are speaking in this way for god is not unjust Can you say with me, God is not unjust. God is not unjust. We learned that in Romans, didn't we? When we were going through Romans. The cross actually proves that God is not unjust. Jesus died. He bore my sin. He took all my sin upon him. And for you, And for every man, woman, and child ever born, he died for us all. And he had to be the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sin of the world. And he took my sin and your sin, the sin that we have done and the sin that we will do upon himself and became our Lamb of God putting us in the place of being righteous. The Lamb of God, covering me. We say in Japanese, gi. And we say that in Chinese as gi. It's a great picture of where we stand. God is not unjust. So as to forget your work, not dead works, your work in Him and the love which you have shown toward his name, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Father, Eternal Father, the Lamb of God, the door, the life, Redeemer Shepherd, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Light of the World, Bread of Life, the gate, the door, the Good Shepherd, Wonderful Counselor, the truth, the way. He is our King. He is our everything. The love which you have shown toward his name. Having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Wow. You know, Katie and I said this many, many times, and I'll say it again. We love being with you guys. We love the gathering here at MCC. And we trust that you feel at home here. We do. God is good to us. So let us press on to maturity. Let's go on. And for those who have fallen away, let's reach out to them. And if there is room in their heart for repentance, that we bring them back in. So that they not be out there hanging and twisting in the wind. We are convinced of better things concerning you. Then, in conclusion, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish. We desire each one of you show the same diligence. What diligence is he talking about? Go in there and and just look at that, but I'll give you a hint. He's talking about something he already mentioned and he's talking about something in the future. I couldn't come to a conclusion what he meant by the same diligence. But nonetheless, they were diligent in the doing, in the being, so that you would not be sluggish. Where did he use that word before? so that you not be sluggish. He mentioned it. What was the word? Dull of hearing is what he said last week. It's exactly the same word. But the translator said sluggish instead of dull, at least in the NASB. Sluggish. So that you will not be sluggish. Full assurance of hope until the end. Okay, get this. I'm giving you a hint. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What's an imitator? Student. That's what it means. Students. We're enacting what the teacher taught us. So we add just exactly the same way that our math teacher taught us teaches us how to do it. Okay. We are imitators. We are students. And who are the teachers of these people that he's talking to? All those saints that are mentioned in a chapter down the road here. The faith chapter. That's what the word of God is for. We are to be students. He's teaching us. We're learning from him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have laid it out so well for us. And Lord, these humble words that I've spoken, may your Holy Spirit send it home to each heart in the way that your spirit can can speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy to us. Amen.